The Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code SGP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SGP. We're also brought to you by GameTime. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code CFBX on your first purchase to save $20. Download the GameTime app and use the promo code CFBX. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play the Underdog Pick'em in college or NFL and win up to 20 times in one game. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And finally, we're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Rashford, burst into space. Rashford cuts back onto his right. Steele stands up strong. Good save from him. Dingra makes the move. Welbeck gets the ball. A Dingra has options in the middle. Good looking cross as well. Welbeck's there and Welbeck scores. Incredible. Out of absolutely nothing. Regions on the overlap, Rashford infield he goes, Rashford took a deflection and it's cannon wide. Into the area, Rashford has looked the man most likely for Manchester United, great cut back and Hoyland pokes it into the corner, his first goal for the club. Did Rashford keep the ball in, disallowed. Mitoma. Sprayed beautifully into his path. Lamptey. Oh, and he's found Gross who makes space! What a finish from Gross! He loves a goal against United. And he's got another one here to double Albion's lead. Now Lamptey. On the left-hand side, look at the space again as Lamptey drives into the area. He's got so many to pick out. Pedro's there! Perfection from Pedro! A sublime finish from the substitute. The Albion lead 3-0 at Old Trafford. And they're running away with it. Mejbri. Chance for him perhaps to strike one. Oh, that's a fabulous goal. His first for the club pulls one back for Manchester United. Gilmore wriggles clear of Ericsson and then lines it up for Fatih who's in. Fatih in for a debut goal. Good stop from Onana. Fatih can't believe it. You are listening to Bet MUFC here on the 
Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the BetMUFC X account at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. And you can also follow my other Twitter account where I tweet about all sports, where I tweet out free plays, and where I post my monthly PL spreadsheet. That is at LockBettingX. That's at LockBettingX. The ping tweet on that account will always be the spreadsheet, the PL from the previous month. I do that because I'm a trapped and transparent handicapper, and I'm a trapped and transparent handicapper who's led my clientele to 123 months in a row of transparent track profit, which means I haven't had a single losing month in sports betting for over a decade. If you look through these spreadsheets, you will see that I also manage a bankroll sensibly. No five unit plays, no 10 unit maxes, no 20 unit whales, no 25 unit plays of the year or 50 unit play of the year. None of that nonsense, just sensible bankroll management. If we have a losing day and we've had losing days, we've had losing weeks, but we've never had a losing month. We've never lost for the entirety of a month. We just keep going the way that we keep going because we do extensive research We have got handicapping skills with the service and it has delivered 123 months in a row of transparent track profit. We make it accessible to anybody with a disposable income to gamble. If you don't have a disposable income, you shouldn't be betting because you should never make a bet that you can't afford to lose. But if you can get involved, then head over to lockbetting.com. Check it out. If you have any questions, shoot me a DM at that X account at lockbettingx. That's at lockbettingx. They're not very good at the moment. You know, there's no hysteria. I went to the game yesterday um, as a fan to think that, could I be surprised? And you're always optimistic. I've never walked over that forecourt at Old Trafford and not been optimistic because that's the job of a football fan, going to any ground that, where you support your team. But honestly, I think 72,000 Manchester United fans in that stadium walking over there who are informed, who know Brighton, who know their current team, I don't think any of them were surprised with what they saw. You know, there were, before the game, there was that sort of that feeling of, let's see what happens, uh, take a point. You know, those types of comments as you go in speaking to people and we're like, no, you never know. And then, we, you know, Manchester United started brightly in that first 10, 15 minutes. But the minute that Brighton started to compose themselves, the centre-backs get on the ball with the goalkeeper and pop a few passes into midfield. I mean, they dismantled Manchester United. They dismantled them. By doing what Brighton do, those two players, Welbeck and Lallana dropping into the pockets, the two wide players being high, sort of Martinez and Lindelof being caught in no man's land at times in between. And then I have to say that yesterday, we quite often say about football players win football matches, it's the most obvious thing to say, and that systems don't win matches. We hear that often. I'm sorry, systems do have an impact on matches. You know, there's this thing at Old Trafford, so dug outside, there's no space. Don't, this is an old wives. It's not an old wives' tale. This is absolutely true. I've played right back on the side of that stadium. There's no space on the far side. You have acres of space away from the dugout. So the space in the game is always for the opposition on the other side of the pitch. I don't know why that is. It's always happened at Old Trafford. And yesterday I was sat on the opposite side of the pitch. And in the first half, Ericsson was asked, being asked to get out to Brighton's right back uh, and being asked to get out to Brighton's right-hand side with Regulon. And that's where the first goal came from. And Ericsson had to get out there because he was playing narrow in a sort of a three, like a diamond it was. 
in the second half, McTominay's over on this side. And McTominay can run, by the way. He's got big energy. He was legless at times. This wasn't... I, honestly, I was watching those lads yesterday very closely. This wasn't a massive lack of effort or this players chucking the towel in. There's none of that sort of stuff. They were trying their very best. But McTominay couldn't get out to their left side in the second half. And that's where the two goals came from. And... I was surprised that they kept that such narrow midfield and didn't have the 4-3-3 or the 4-5-1 because Manchester United's pitch, even though it may come up in size among the same as other pitches, it just always feels massive in the wide areas. It always has done, particularly on that far side away from the dugout. And Brighton have got the system of play, the quality of players to be able to dismantle you and find the spare pass. And I always used to think at Old Trafford, don't give the team an easy out in terms of finding a way out with a pass so that you're all running back to your own goal. It was always almost a thing that Sir Alex Ferguson would say. So they had an easy out yesterday and they dismantled Manchester United and they made them look quite ordinary at times. Even though Manchester United still had some moments in the game, um, it was a worrying, concerning day in that Brighton were better than Manchester United. Let's be clear, Brighton were fantastic. They did what they did with a group of players that maybe on paper aren't as sexy, aren't as valuable, certainly not as valuable, but they're the better team. Sure. So, listen, I'm just a simple football fan. Eric Ten Hag is obviously a very, very good football coach. Nobody, yeah. nobody disputes that. So in circumstances like this, what happens on Monday morning? I mean, how does he make that team of very, very good professional footballers better. Look, he has to continue to keep doing what he's doing, um, which, you know, he's follow his, his beliefs, his values, his principles. The only thing I would say is, look, how popular is Sancho in the dressing room? How popular is Maguire in the dressing room? How popular is Anthony in the dressing room? He's got some bugs in there that we don't know from the outside. What discomfort and uncertainty is being created on the inside you've got a player at the moment who's changing probably in the first team dressing room but obviously over with the academy you've got obviously Harry Maguire who's been captain of these players by the way 12 months ago who's now almost in some ways alienated in you know third fourth fifth centre half so he's got some situations in there which I don't know the damage that that's having but in terms of his work on the pitch I don't think Eric Ten Hag will change um, and the fact of the matter is you know there have many a manager over the last 10, 12 years since Alex Ferguson left, good manager that have found challenges at Manchester United. What I'm hoping at the moment is this just a difficult start to the season and it's not a repeat of what we've seen previously where we've started to see it become challenging for Mourinho, for Van Gaal, for Moyes, for obviously Ranić and for then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So I hope it's not the beginning of that. I hope that ultimately, you know, no Manchester United fan at this moment in time, yeah, they may ask some simple questions yesterday about the system and stuff like that and we all do, that's fine, it's no problem. But there's no Manchester United fan that I know that's got a brain that's obviously most angry with Eric Ten Hag. What they want really is a change of ownership and they want stability and they want a group of players that are committed. And I don't think the players aren't committed. I just wonder how good they are that's that my concern and the club have been pulled from pillar to post over this last 10-11 years from a sporting uh, yeah from a sporting point of view by their manager's wish on recruitment and it's happened again so you know they are Eric Ten Hag's players as Oli wanted the players that he wanted as Jose brought the lads that he wanted in Lukaku and Pogba and all those lads and Van Gaal went for a very technical type of player that could you know loads of left-footed centre-backs and left-backs and stuff like that they've all brought in who they wanted to bring in 
And I thought this time that there would be a more stronger sporting project behind the scenes that would enable Manchester United to bring in a group of players. But no, they have, they have allowed, I think, the manager again to influence the signings. And that's my concern with the club. They've got no strength at the very top. Um, and if you're talking about sort of what would be the, the best sporting operators in this country and in the Europe, Manchester United don't have them. They just don't. And that's my concern. Um, look, there's no hysteria. That, you know, we, we are where we are. But yesterday was a sobering day and a day that I don't think many people were surprised by. And they go to Munich in midweek um, and then an awkward one at Burnley next Saturday night. Uh, Munich, you'd fear the worst a little bit, just generally how good Munich are. But you never know. You know, there's some players there that can step up. But this moment in time yesterday was a sort of... Uh, a day that I went there sort of with hope and you shouldn't really be going to Old Trafford with hope when you're playing Brighton at home. I put that little bit of audio in from Gary Neville because it pretty much hits the nail on the head when it comes to a lot of things that went wrong with that performance, a lot of things that are going wrong at the club. I'm going to give you my point of view in a second as I look back to that game that I went to on Saturday, regretfully. Um, before we do that, let me take a little pause here to tell you guys about DraftKings. Football is more fun when you are in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code SGP. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Let me also take this pause to tell you guys about game time. Buying tickets to your favourite events shouldn't be stressful. And often it is and has been for me. Um, I travel to events in the UK and the US. Go to NBA, MLB, UFC, WWE, NFL, soccer matches and getting stuff at the last minute is always stressful. Stressful waiting for your ticket to come through. Stressful waiting to see if there's a better seat. Waiting to see if there's a cheaper seat. Waiting to see if you got the best seat for the best price or whether better seats are going to become available or cheaper seats are going to become available. It's all a stress and um, that shouldn't be the stress with killer dick with killer deal with killer deals on last minute tickets and a best price guarantee. You can stop stressing about the tickets with game time and start getting hyped for the fun you have at the event, providing you don't go to something like Manchester United versus Brighton. The game time guarantee also means you'll get the best price if you find tickets in the same section or row for less. GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. So, snag tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem this code to make the offer even sweeter. CFBX for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So I agree with almost everything Gary Neville said. He tried to drag the Glazers into it. And yeah, that is an overriding problem. It's a problem with morale. And it's a, a problem with getting the exact players that we want. Because he also mentioned about all of the managers getting all of the players that they wanted. I don't necessarily agree with that. Because we weren't in for Harry Kane this summer. 
Um, we weren't able to secure Frankie de Jong the season before, and that's looking like a signing that we definitely should have made, and particularly when you look at the way that we conceded goals in this game. So um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree with the fact that there can't be excuses for this game. Had Marcus Rashford's goal stood, and there are angles that say that ball stayed in, perhaps Manchester United could have got back into the game at 1-1, or perhaps we would have still been chasing the game in the wrong formation, and Brighton would have scored those goals anyway. Because when you're looking at the mentality of Manchester United, you can't really use that excuse this time. I do believe the goal should have stood, but when you're 1-1 at Old Trafford, and you're 1-0 down at Old Trafford, it's the same thing. It's not like other clubs, lower clubs down where you settle for a point or whether you um, take what you can when you can get it. If the opportunity comes, it comes. But um, you're settled with a draw if that's what you get. No, that can't be the, that can't be the mentality. That can never be the mentality. <coughs> it also wasn't the mentality last season when we were winning these games, when we beat Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man City, Barcelona. <clears throat> All of these teams came to Old Trafford and lost, and people are very quickly forgetting about that fact. So with him saying that fans were going into the ground, um, hoping that we could get something from the game against Brighton, but not being surprised by the outcome, I don't think that that was necessarily true, because fans have been going to Old Trafford for over a year, and this has been the fortress. This is where we've been beating all of these big guns under Eric Ten Hag, and you can't erase the credit that he deserves for that. So I do disagree with Neville about that, but I don't disagree with him about the fact that we were dismantled. And had the goal stood anyway at 1-1, the onus on a club like Manchester United is to continue pushing, continue for the win, continue to try and beat a team whose first 11 is worth 17 million, whilst yours is worth hundreds of millions of pounds. We should be beating those teams. And at one all, if it was one all, we should have continued to press. So for me, that wasn't a significant difference maker in the game. That, for me, is a goal that probably would have just made the result 3-2 to Brighton. And I know I've come on here and I've complained about multiple things. And VAR has gone against us. It went against us for the Rashford thing. It went against us a couple of times in the Arsenal game. Um, it has gone against us. We have been unlucky. We could have come into this game with four wins out of four. But that probably would have papered over the cracks that people aren't adjusting to this new system. People don't seem to be aligned with Eric Ten Hag as much as they should be. And that's not a problem with Ten Hag. That's the player's problem. And that's been a problem with players who didn't buy into what Mourinho was doing, what Van Gaal was doing, what Solskjaer was doing. There is a toxic issue at this club with the players feeling like they are more important than they are. And that is an overriding problem. You only need to step foot with Carrington. If you have children and you're in England and you're a Manchester United fan and your children are Man United fans and you want to take them down to Carrington and you want to get a couple of pictures and you want to get a couple of autographs from these players, good fucking luck because they have egos the size of Carrington themselves on their shoulders. So it's not a case of it being the result of us constantly changing the manager or every manager being the wrong appointment. Eric Ten Hag's not the wrong appointment. Eric Ten Hag masterminded an Ajax campaign where they should have got to a Champions League final. 
en route to that, he dismantled Juventus and Real Madrid and developed a squad of players who all were sold for hundreds of millions of pounds. So when you're looking at Frankie de Jong, when you're looking at Matthias de Litt, and then when you're looking at the next generation of players that came through and were sold for millions of pounds, including Anthony, who was developed by Ten Hag at Ajax and sold to Manchester United for an astronomical transfer fee, that doesn't put the blame on Eric Ten Hag. This is also a manager who guided us to the Champions League last season from out of nowhere. And we started the season with two defeats. We started on minus six points. Now, I'm not saying if we had those six points, we would have necessarily challenged for the title. I'm not even saying we would have finished second. But when we beat Manchester City, when we beat them earlier on in the season in January, um, that puts us level with Manchester City. That put us neck and neck with Manchester City. We could have been five or six points ahead of them at that point. And that would have put real pressure on Manchester City. And it would have put us a lot closer to Arsenal. It would have put real pressure on them as well. I believe it would have put a couple of points behind them. So I'm not saying we would have seen that through. But for Eric Ten Hag to take us into that situation, to take us into third spot, to take us into two cup finals, to beat Barcelona, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, Old Trafford, to be undefeated for the entire season after the opening day at Old Trafford, that is a testament to Eric Ten Hag and what he did. And one of the things he did is that he saw the way he wanted to play didn't work and he changed it very, very quickly. Now we're back to playing how he wants to play. But I think in this particular game, we saw him make a slight tweak to that. And I don't think that can be the case. We can't continue to tweak we need to either stay on one trajectory, one formation, learn how to play the style of football within that formation and stick to that. We cannot make these tweaks where we turn up to games and we're looking on the pitch and we're seeing an old school 4-4-2 formation. Or in this case, it was a diamond 4-4-2. So essentially a 4-1-3-2 formation with McTominay wide in a diamond, Ericsson wide in a diamond, Casemiro at the back of a diamond, and Bruno Fernandes supporting the strike force of Rashford and Hoyland. We cannot be doing that. Rashford needs to play out on the left. Rashford needs to play wide left, and we need to play somebody wide right. Garnacho probably should have started this game, or Bruno Fernandes should have occupied a wide position like he often has done if they wanted to get Scott McTominay in the team to have more ball-winning potential in that midfield because Casemiro continues to massively underperform this season. And he's not the only one. The midfield is a big problem because when we are hit on these breaks, and um, we saw it for two of the Brighton goals, the midfield are not tracking back. They're not tight enough in line with the defence and it's a defensive and not doing his job. The way that Martinez was embarrassed for the second goal puts him in the same bracket as Harry Maguire as far as I'm concerned because we would be laughing at Harry Maguire for that. There would be videos mocking Maguire's defending if he defended like Martinez and so we should equally mock Martinez for how shit he defended and how shit he's been throughout the entirety of this season's season so far. If you're injured, you're injured. Don't play. If you haven't recovered, don't play. Or is this a Martinez last season who played completely out of his skin and now he's beginning to look like the defender that people said that he would look like. But these aren't aerial jewels. You expect him at five foot nine to lose aerial jewels. This is just 
terrible defending. I don't like the way he defends anyway with his hands behind his back and um, allow and, and not putting his full body behind things when he's trying to block shots. Um, I'm not a fan of that style of defending. Put your arms out, defend properly, take your chances. If it hits you in the hands, it hits you in the hands. But this whole style of defending where you're there with your hands and your back, that's not effective. And it hasn't been effective so far. And his timing hasn't been effective so far. And his reading of the game hasn't been effective so far. Victor Lindelof is now the, the A side of our defence. And I'm desperate for Rafa Varane to come back into the team so we can actually give Martinez a rest. And, and maybe it's fitness and maybe it's time out of the game. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't look like the same player. And he's been responsible for more than one goal this season. So if you're going to give it to Maguire because you don't like Maguire, you have to give it to your hero, Lissandra Martinez. He has been fucking shit. And Casemiro has been shit as well. He's a ghost. When we can see goals, he's a ghost. He's usually not in a picture, or if he is, he's three or four feet back, not tracking the man he was supposed to pick up in the box, allowing them to score. So we cannot continue to play with one holder if Casemiro isn't going to improve. I know he's had slow starts at Real Madrid before, but I expected him to, you know, by this point, five, six games into the season, to be back to his best. He isn't. He looks completely off the pace. At the moment, I would probably sell him to the Saudi league as soon as I could, whilst you can recoup a large chunk of the 70 million, if we can get 50 million back for Casemiro and we've had that one really, really good season from him, then I would take that. I would say, thank you. That was 20 million well spent. We got 50 million pound back. Take the money and run. He can't, ra- he can't hack it in the Premier League anymore. He can't run. But um, to come in with this diamond formation, this 4-4-2, or, or however you want to say it, 4 one 3 after being beaten by Arsenal the week before and... The week before, it wasn't the formation that was the issue. It was the rub of the green. It was the luck that we got in that game. I would not have changed things at all, particularly coming into this game against Old Trafford. Perhaps Eric Ten Hag saw something with Brighton. Perhaps he saw something when we played Brighton previously. I don't know what went in his head, what, 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 went, what was going on in his head. I don't know, because I'm not Eric Ten Hag, obviously. I have a full head of hair. But... Um, at the end of the day, I do believe that he got it wrong here. He was booed for his substitutions as well. Um, you don't take off Rasmus Hoyland and bring on Anthony Martial. Um, Hannibal for Casemiro, I did agree with. Whether that was a message to Casemiro, because Casemiro's been due a substitution for a long time, and to do it with Hannibal, a youngster like that, may have been a statement to say, look, sort yourself out. You look like shit. You play like shit. And your place in the team is not automatic. Maybe that was the message he was sending. And he's certainly the type of manager who would send the message. And that's the one thing that he has done right this season. I do like what's going on with the Jaden Sancho situation in terms of how Eric Ten Hag has handled it. Sancho's been shit. Sancho has an attitude problem. Sancho's not bigger than the club. Alex Ferguson would have done exactly what Eric Ten Hag has done with Sancho. And that's what we need to be doing to some of these players. Um, because Manchester United players cannot continue to rule over the manager and the manager cannot always continue to be the sacrificial lamb while these players continue to be, continue to be among the highest paid players in the Premier League. Do you know that Man United have five of the top 10 and 10 of the top 20 highest players in the Premier League? It's a fucking joke. Look at what we just delivered on the pitch. So 
I'm not going to overreact to it. I'm certainly not going to jump on the sack Eric Ten Hag. He doesn't know what he's doing bandwagon. He knows exactly what he's doing. And if the players listen to what he says and if they train properly and uh, they train longer, because I've been down at Carrington a few times and training does seem to be getting back to the short length of time that it did under Ollie with players arriving at 9.30 and some of them being out by half past 12. That seemed to be the case under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. There was a large period of time last season where Ten Hag had players coming in at 9.30 and going out at 3 or 4 o'clock. They were eating at the ground. They were doing extra training at the ground at Carrington. But um, that seems to not be the case at the moment. It seems to be, seems to be back at the, uh, at the Ollie time where a prick like Jesse Lingard would roll in at 9.30 and he'd be out at 10 past 12. And then you'd be waiting around with your kid for Ronaldo and Ronaldo would rock up at 2.45 because he did all the extra training. He ate properly. He trained properly. He did weights. He did ice baths. He did steams. He did everything that he needed to do to be the absolute fucking machine and model of dedication, the absolute model pro that Cristiano Ronaldo is. And Jesse Lingard absolutely isn't, which is why that shitbag still doesn't have a club. So... We need a lot more Ronaldo's there than we need Jesse Lingard's. And at the moment, it seems to be once again teetering in that wrong direction. I'm a hardcore supporter. I, I go with my son all of the time. I know it. I see it. I breathe it. I know what's going on down there. And I can tell when the toxicity is leaking back into the club. And at the moment, Manchester United are facing a big, big problem and could be looking ahead to one of those seasons similar to what Chelsea had last year, where we don't even finish in the top half. And Eric Ten Hag isn't the manager at the end of the season. And that would be an absolute disgrace by these players if they get this manager sacked because this manager doesn't deserve to be sacked. This manager knows what he's doing. This manager hasn't been fully backed in terms of the signings that he wanted, although in the defence of the Glazers, he has managed to get around about 80 to 75 to 80%, I would say, of the signings that he wanted. But I think the number one signing that this club wanted to make last season still hasn't been made, and we still don't have a player in that ilk. And I'm talking about Frankie de Jong. Mason Mount isn't Frankie de Jong. Mason Mount never will be Frankie de Jong, yet Mason Mount has been signed to be Frankie de Jong. That box-to-box midfield player who wins tackles high in his own, high in his own half, uh, meaning Manchester United retain possession in their own half once they lose the ball. That's what Mount has a high percentage of doing. When he was a Chelsea player, he was in the top 2% of winning the ball back in his own half. And also, in addition to that, um, Frankie de Jong is seen as a ball-carrying midfielder, box-to-box, which is what Mason Mount is supposed to do. I can tell you for a fact, Mason Mount is not in the same zip code, postcode, or breath that Frankie de Jong is in. He's not in the same category. He's not in the same planet. Frankie de Jong is levels above Mason Mount. And if you sign Mount to be this player, to do this job that you wanted Frankie de Jong to do. If you signed Casemiro as a replacement for Frankie de Jong, which I don't think you did. A lot of people saying that Casemiro was the was the replacement for Frankie de Jong. That was the compensation signing. That was the last minute emergency break glass signing because you couldn't get Frankie de Jong. I don't believe that 100% to be the case because Frankie de Jong isn't a holding midfield player who will protect your back four. Frankie de Jong will drop in as a central midfield player and will 
support your back four in terms of being back there to um, take the ball from the back four and to cut out things. But he's not there to be a tough tackling midfielder and, a, and an extra layer of protection for your defence. He doesn't do that. He's in there in terms of making interceptions. He's a good interception. Uh, he's a good interceptor. He's a good ball winner. He's good at the winning, the winning the ball back in his own half. But sometimes a lot of the things that he'll do is just simply carrying the ball 30, 40 yards and laying off a plot, laying off a pass. And it's so important to have a player that does that. So you don't have to have Lissandro Martinez doing that. At the moment, Manchester United feels like a team who have made four signings to compensate for Frankie de Jong. We have Lissandro Martinez carrying the ball past the halfway line. We have Casemiro playing as the protector. We even have a goalkeeper in Andre Onana who gets you quicker from back to front. And then, of course, we have our usual midfield player who's playing in De Jong's role, which is supposed to be Mason Mount. So it does feel like we've done a lot to compensate for what one signing would have done. Somebody who could have given us an extra body in the box, somebody who could have carried the ball 30, 40 yards and distributed it out to the wide players or, or to the centre forward if we had one. And somebody who can string a 30, 40, 30, 40 ball, uh, 30 or 40 yard ball to feet from the deep line midfield position. These are all the things that Frankie de Jong can do. And we have four players doing the job of one, which shows you why Ten Hag and the board chased and chased and chased and chased this player. And there's a number of goals that you can point at this season when you look at the um, the two goals that Tottenham scored, or when you look at two goals in this Brighton game, and you look at them and say, if we had Frankie de Jong, maybe these goals wouldn't have happened. So, we haven't got him. We need to move on. There are big issues at Manchester United. We need to find, I think we need to go back to finding a system that suits the players as opposed to a system that suits Ten Hag. It's going to be another season where that doesn't work. It's going to be another season where we break the emergency glass and try to get ourselves into the Champions League. And uh, we need better results immediately. Unfortunately, uh, the next game, though, comes up against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And before we move on to talking about that game and listening to what Eric Ten Hag has to say about it, I'm going to take another pause to tell you guys about Hall of Fame Bets. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Let me also take this pause to tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy and the promo code SGPN. Uh, David. Hi, Eric. Um, Bayern signed Harry Kane this summer. You signed Rasmus Hoyland. What was the thinking behind signing potential over a proven goal scorer like Harry Kane? Um, it's had an immediate impact, obviously, here at Bayern. And, and do you feel that was the right decision, ultimately, by the club? I think we discussed it in, 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 in San Diego. So I don't think we have to uh, repeat this debate. Uh, so we are happy uh, with, with Rasmus. Uh, so we, uh, 
obviously uh, first games he was injured. Uh, he played now Arsenal. He, uh, he had now a start. So uh, now, of course, we, uh, we have to integrate him in the team. But you can see, um, yes, uh, he's a big talent. And he will contribute to our, uh, to our game. Uh, we are quite convinced of that. No. For your style of play with Ajax almost getting to the final, is that important in this competition? Is that a frustration of yours that some have critiqued your style of play that you haven't quite got it yet here at Manchester United? Uh, first part, I didn't, um, I did it here. Can you repeat it? Huh? Can you hear that? No, sorry. Last time you was in the champ- in Champions League with Ajax, you was praised for your style of play, almost getting to the final with Ajax. There's been some critique that we still haven't got an actual style of play at Manchester United. Is that the biggest frustration, the injuries, the constant changing, never being able to have that established team? Do you need that in this type of competition? One thing is true, I think, from the start last season, I think I almost never started... Uh, with uh, the best, I uh, would say, in my opinion, the best start 11. Uh, there was always something uh, like injury. So, but you have to deal with it. And I think we always got uh, the results in, uh, apart from the period where we are now. So, and that is that is football, and there's always part. And um, I have experience in the past, I managed it in the past. Uh, it's not always going up. And you have to deal with it, and yeah, it's all also. Um, yeah, I like these situations because now we have to handle handle it, and we have to manage this, and we uh, so you have to know what to do, and that is focusing on the process. Uh, one there, thank you. Hi, Eric. Just wondering if what you've made of Bayern Munich's start to the season. They obviously had the defeat against Leipzig in uh, the Super Cup, and they've conceded twice against Leverkusen, do you see ways that you can exploit them defensively as much as they've been impressive with those attacking players, including Harry Kane? Uh, I think they are, as you say, they have very attractive players, um, very skillful. Uh, you, um, you can't be unfocused for one second, one split of second, because uh, they uh, so much individual class they have. Uh, uh, but as you say, yeah, they leave you also sometimes spaces. Huh? But yeah, we are very uh, respectful. And we know Bayern, especially in Champions League, huh? uh, at home, especially group stage, they are very strong. But yeah, um, as you say, but yeah, we are looking forward we, because we like the challenge and also yeah, we, we trust ourselves. Eric, appreciate you do have quite a big squad uh, in total, but the nine players that are out through injury, uh, there are some quite senior players, important players in that group. Can you go to your doctors, your physios, etc., and say, ask them why these kind of injuries are happening to your players? I don't know if we have to go to the doctors' officials because they are dealing uh, with the problems. And um, so, yeah. Uh, First of all, is injuries always coming in top football because we are living on the edge, and and when you are living on the edge, yeah, the injuries uh, are coming up, and of course we analyze um, why things happens, but also we have to deal with the facts 
And it's always about the players who are available. And that's a strong side. And what we can line up and we have to get the best out of it. And we're focusing on that. And to, to bring up tomorrow again a good team, uh, make the next step, uh, integrating Rasmus Holland, integrating uh, Rigolion, uh, so two new players uh, in our way of play, and yeah, we are here to get a result. We are here to get a result, Eric Ten Hag says. Not a good game to have when you need a result, when you need a bounce back against the team who are just a formidable force in the Champions League group stage. You're talking about Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich are the one to two favourites to beat Manchester United on their own patch here tonight. It's 17 to four on the draw and it's 11 to two here on United. United's bounce back is likely to begin or their best opportunity to bounce back is likely to begin at the weekend against Burnley. That is three points that we desperately need. I don't think we're going to be judged by Anything that happens in this Bayern Munich game, ultimately, I do think it will end in defeat. I just hope for United's sake that it's a competitive defeat, that we can maybe score a goal here. Maybe we can come out on top um, in, in certain areas, in certain periods of the game. But ultimately, everything points to Manchester United taking nothing away from the Allianz. And these are situations that I'm torn in because I have to be a realist and I have to make money for you guys and my clientele. I have to make the right picks and I'm heavy on Bayern Munich winning this group and I'm very, very high on Bayern Munich winning this game. So whilst it's difficult to put that out because it means that I'll be inside rooting for an alternative and I will never make financial bets against Manchester United, um, it is a win-lose situation. That's all it can be described as. It's win-lose. Because if Bayern Munich do obliterate Manchester United, or Man United are beaten, shall we say, it puts Bayern Munich in a strong position to win the group and we make money immediately tonight. So I benefit from that because my clients are happy. You guys are happy as listeners. You're more inclined to leave reviews and to listen to the next episode. And everything is good as far as my work goes. But as a supporter, I'm sad again because things have got worse once again. But if Manchester United pull it out, then obviously I'm in a little bit of a hole with my clientele. We lost some money. Our group futures are in a poor position. The listeners are not happy about it. But as a supporter, I'm ecstatic because Manchester United are back on track. We've bounced back with a massive win. We carry that momentum into the weekend where we can get our Premier League campaign back on track off the back of winning or getting a positive result against Bayern Munich. And we put ourselves in pole position to win this group, thus giving us an easier draw for the round of 16 in theory and giving us giving us a better chance of going further in the Champions League. So it's a win-lose situation. I can never win if Manchester United lose because I won't put that money down. But I will never continue to constantly back Manchester United blindly in hope like we hear on other podcasts. I'm not going to be like a certain New York Giants fan or a certain Philadelphia Eagles fan on another show that we do where we just continue to back those teams. Um, So I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to take 
Bayern Munich to win the game. Um, Manchester United's horrible start to the season and that performance against Brighton, which made it three defeats out of four, makes Manchester United absolutely unbackable here. Bayern Munich have made an unbeaten start to their league campaign. They're unbeaten in the last 34 Champions League group stage games with each of the last 13 in a row being victories. That is record-breaking form um, for Champions League group qualification. They are the best team in the history of the competition at the group stage. Um, Bayern have won three of their five competitive games this season, but they have only kept one clean sheet. So they could be hoping for United to get on the score sheet at least. They won their first home game of the season, 3-1, And uh, they face a United side that have scored in four of their five games this season. So a 3-1, 4-1 type scoreline sticks out to me here. The 3-1 in particular I like is available at 12-1. That's how I see the game going. So in terms of a lock on this show, and I did say there would be a Champions League lock on this show, I'm going to take Bayern Munich to win the game and I'm simply going to tack on over 1.5 goals here. That means that you win this bet if Bayern Munich win by any scoreline other than a 1-0 scoreline. And I definitely don't see a 1-0 scoreline here. Looking at the way Bayern Munich have played this season, looking at the way United have played this season, neither team has defended well. So it would not surprise me whatsoever to see Bayern Munich contributing towards the scoring here. uh, To see Manchester United, sorry, contributing towards the scoring here in this game. Unfortunately, I don't see Bayern Munich scoring any less than three goals because if Brighton can put three past Manchester United, you can be rest assured that uh, Bayern Munich would be able to find three goals in this game as well. The boost of adding over 1.5 goals to the selection takes you away from the 1 to 2 minus 200 line and gives you the price of 7 to 10. So a far better price for something that's very, very likely to happen. As I said, you win this bet if Bayern Munich beat Manchester United by any other scoreline other than 1-0. So once again, your selection and your Champions League lock here for Wednesday on this show is Bayern Munich to win with over one and a half goals in the game. And that is available at 7-10. to That's it for me. Good luck of all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.